This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Collins.Matrix Background Check Company. Do you suspect that your new sales lady has a checkered past? Maybe hit a few policemen over their head with her handbag? We can provide a near-instant dot matrix printout in mere minutes. Well, seven minutes per page. Conveniently located near Milston Manor. Members of the royal family not included. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free! Hey, I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon. And this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hello, Gladys. Hello, Unanimous. Um, Hello, Mr. Brandon. Well, Gladys didn't ring in. She's uh, She decided to go on strike. She says, I want gold plating or I do not do your show. And she, I, we said no. Has the summer heat. Yeah, it's just like she's buckling, she says. And I'm like, honey, you're made of uh, aluminum. It doesn't really work like that. <laughs> Whatever. I said, we cannot do gold, gold leaf on you, Gladys. And she's decided to oh. sit this one out. But. Well, we'll miss you, guys. Anyway, how are you? Is it, is it sweltering where you are? Northern Mississippi, it ain't a cool place in late July, is it? No, it ain't. It ain't indeed, Mr. Brandon, not at all. Um, it, uh, where I am is raining every evening uh, around 7 p.m. or so. So we do get a good cool down. Um, so right now it's bearable. Oh my but, God. Uh, yeah. in the morning, it'll be just as bad again. Um, okay. So she said she's feeling sorry for striking. She says, I'm, I'm calling my shop, my uh, ombudsman. Shop steward. Shop steward, ombudsman. Is that a florist? <laughs> okay. She's back. Hurrah. <laughs> yes, it's quite, it's quite warm around the world. Um, and uh, it's the summertime, but it's getting hotter than people are used to. Because of the world, and uh, so just watch out. Unanimous. Um, maybe watch the Christmas episodes of Are You Being Served, and uh, put your T-shirt in a freezer, and then put on the T-shirt. And think of England. And no. think of England <laughs> in the winter. So yeah. we've been. Uh, we've we have some exciting. Hold on. Oh, the the that does suit Madam teletype machine is coming through. <laughs> It's a lot cheaper than broadband. All folks. of the new, nothing but the newest technology here at the Northern Mississippi compound for that does suit, madam. Okay, hold on. Okay, let me read this thing because you teletype. You have to rip the paper out of the machine. Um, well, God, I'll hand it to you, Jeff. I mean, what's going on? We have. We, well, we, this just yes. in. Um, we've got our first promotion in the <gasps> that does suit, madam intern program. Uh, Mr. Bill, who was our very first intern, is now responsible for the ashtray prop in our archives. And we have decided to give him the title of Technician for Weathered Internet Things. Also called Twit. (laughs) Yes. So he is officially our podcast Twit. Congratulations, Mr. Bill. You've done so well. Um, We appreciate you foregoing any pay. Um, yeah, so anything that we, uh, we find on the internet that's a prop from Are You Being Served, he is now the curator and uh, archivist of those things. Uh, <laughs> so if you, if you see anything else on eBay, let us know. We will protect them for, uh, for, the, for the, the infinite future um, because he doesn't have any pay, so we don't have to pay. <laughs> so congratulations, Mr. Bill. 
So normally at this time, we would uh, do our little Romper Room Magic Mirror moment and welcome brand new fans to the Facebook page. However, Facebook changed their settings, and we can no longer see who likes our page. We can make names up. Thank you, Ringo. Thank you, John Lennon. (laughs) We think we have new fans, but we're not quite sure. But welcome anyway if you found us. Yeah, yeah, that's lovely. And um, we heard some things from Twitter. Um, Mr. Patrick, who I think uh, is... He likes to communicate, which is always lovely for a podcast. Um, he had some concerns, didn't he, Mr. Jeff? He He's worried that one day these little email pop-up things on your iPad podcast device things, new episodes, will one day not come. And like all good things, they must come to an end. Your thoughts on the on the matter at hand, Mr. Jeff? Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. And, oh, wait, no, that's wrong. That's the wrong speech to give at this point. Can now. I be an elf? Um, <laughs> Mr. Patrick, um, <laughs> you, know, you know, unfortunately, your hinklings are right. Um, you know, this, this podcast is coming to an end uh, as we uh, come to the last end of Grace and last episode of Grace and Favor. Um, we'll be uh, wrapping up this podcast as well. Now, that's not to say that we might not have some one-off episodes in the future, especially if anything important happens in the Are You Being Served universe, but they just won't come out with any regularity every two to three weeks, and unfortunately, no, there is an anointment for that. (laughs) Um, Gladys says she'd be happy to redo all of our work, but in Morse code. (laughs) I don't think there's a big demand for Morse code podcasts, but I think, honey, your time has come and gone, okay? That's like steamships. Sorry. Okay, she's getting a little annoyed. Um, But yeah, we so so the the episode we're, we're covering today, The Gun... I think it's called The Gun, right? Are you being mm-hmm. served again? That's right. Uh, is the first episode of the second season of Grace and Favor slash Stroke. Um, <laughs> stroking Cuthbert Rumbled. Uh, are you being served <laughs> again? Um, so that means there's, what, six, including this one we're going to cover today. That's six episodes left. Yeah, that's But, true. you know, it's, it's a lot of fun doing a podcast. It's also a lot of work, but it's a, it's a joy but we've mm. done labor of love. Labor, labor of love. love. We've done L A B O U R of love. Um, we have done over eighty of them, <laughs> um, and you know we've co- we've literally covered every single minute <laughs> of are you being served content created around the world and in some some episodes that people had never heard of. Um, but you know we still have six episodes left. So um, there was a, a graphic made on Twitter and Facebook saying, hey. There's six left. <laughs> if you want to do the Peacock Hotline, six six two Peacock. Now's your chance. Now is the time to do it, Mary, uh, because there ain't too many times left. Isn't that a Tina Turner song? So, uh, but yeah, but maybe we'll do like um, a in summary or in, in memorandum, in memoriam. Is that it? In memoriam <laughs> episode of where we like give a funeral to the podcast. That would be kind of fun. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. We'll see. We'll um, see. We also got some emails from uh, Mr. John Bryan, haven't we, Mr. Brandon? Lord of mercy, John Bryan. Uh, Mr. John Bryan, he, he had a lot of things to say, which we love. So again, if you guys have questions, let us know. Um, he wanted to have uh, – he, he basically said, can I use your – intern non-paid research department so we we put mr jj and all the people to task Ms. heather she's down there down the subterranean you know 17th century moist uh, stone stairs you know the stairwell we have so mr john bryan uh he sent us a lovely telegram 
Um, we didn't realize Telegram still delivered to northern Mississippi, but that's good Again, to know. only the best modern technology here. <laughs> she says... She says, okay, they, yes, she's, she's bragging that they were in Morse code, and she's just trying to be part <laughs> of the conversation. Okay, so Mr. John Bryan says, in the upcoming episode, uh, the episode we're talking about, um, this, so this is a sneak, pre, a sneak peek, people. Um, there are some things that he's noticed over the years with this episode. And by the way, the second season, a lot of people's favorite Are You Being Served season Ever. Okay, so very critical moment in our podcast right now. He says, Mavis and the other cast have more to say and do without the original cast. It's almost like, and, and I think maybe, the, maybe it was John Bryan or someone else. Um, it's almost as if the original cast members are sort of seen as retirees now. They're more passive. Now it's um, the, the three new characters, the three new actors um, kind of pulling a lot more weight in the second season. So that's interesting to look at. He also that mentions true. That is true. Yeah, and he mentions that Mavis, her clothing even seems to improve, which is interesting, right? So, okay, the first season happened. They were renewed for second season. Um, so Mavis, like, gets a little bit nicer clothing. I don't know if that was, like, because in the third season, which never happened, maybe she would become more of a central character. I don't know. But pretty interesting observation, uh, Mr. Tom Ryan. Um, he does wonder about when the police sergeant comes in, he was asked if they were turned and then compares them to some Well, not people. in Cambridge. <laughs> well, not again. Yeah, okay. So we're getting ahead of ourselves because this is about the episode. We're not even into it yet. But yeah. we'll, we'll kind of so keep we'll this that. in mind. So, so that was very we'll good. Get he also says that he's going to London in September. So uh, hopefully Mr. JJ has returned back to uh, – uh, northern Mississippi by then, but um, you know, if any one of our listeners goes to Piccadilly, um, take your photo in front of the the Weatherstones uh, slash former Simpsons uh, department store and send it to us. So um, that would be fabulous. So have a great time in London in September. I will actually be there a little bit earlier than that. So yeah. I will, you know, I'll try and take my pictures with as many uh, are you being served artifacts and uh, geographical locations as well. It's also a buying trip for more artifacts to, for our local twit to, uh, <laughs> to take care of, right? That's right, Mr. Brandon. And while you're at it, folks, please wear a mask. Wash your hands because now there's monkeypox going around. Gross, yeah. Uh, keep in touch with rep- reproductive rights, what's going on in Ukraine. And, of course, as always, Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Matter. Yes, indeed. And you've all done very well. Shall we, shall we get on with the episode? Let's do it. So, Mr. Jeff, what the hell are we doing listening to this podcast once again? Tonight we are talking about Series 2, Episode 1, The Gun, which originally premiered on January 4th, 1993. Mm-hmm. So we have fast-forwarded about nine months in time in, in, since we uh, covered the last episode. Okay. And that week in the news, at the top of both the Billboard 100 and the UK Singles Chart was I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Have you ever heard of it? Um, I've only heard the, um, uh, uh, Paula, no, damn, what's her name? Paula Dolly Whitestone, Polly, Dolly Parton. I've only heard the Dolly Parton. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> world. I couldn't remember Dolly Parton. <laughs> I could picture her wig, but not her name. <laughs> Big song. Um, cigarette ads were finally banned in the New York City subway. Okay. Czechoslovakia split into two countries, uh, Czech Republic and Slovakia after the Velvet Revolution. Much better than the burlap revolution, if you ask me. 
And Price's Right model, Janice Pennington, sued CBS for a show accident <laughs> where a camera hit Pennington, uh, knocking her unconscious, leading her to have surgery that left her with scars and one shoulder shorter than the other so she could no longer wear swimsuits on the show. Jeez. That sounds like a tongue twister, doesn't it? Or an but urban legend, but I'll, I'll believe it. <laughs> but it's real. But it's wow. totally real. Poor Ms. Yeah. Pennington. Okay. Yikes. So, okay, so we, we start the episode. Um, what's the first thing we see? Uh, so the first thing we see is Mavis making the tea. She's pouring tea from the kettle into the teapot, but I don't think she warmed the pot first. I think the <laughs> pot is cold. And Mr. Brandon, you just did a spit take. You cannot see this over the audio medium. I was just sipping my own tea. Yes, <laughs> it's almost like asking if I'm free for a clip-on bow tie. <laughs> no, warming, is the answer. Not warming the pot is a cardinal sin of any tea drinker. What's the point of even having a brown Betty? <laughs> The staff are starting to come downstairs. Uh, Mrs. Slocum didn't sleep a wink last night. My pussy was very agitated, you see. Mm. Um, and she does a little bit of f- uh, physical comedy. She mimes tittles, uh, getting the chewing gum stuck to her ear. Aww. Very poorly, I might add. <laughs> well, um, she kind of like p- puts her hand on her cheek instead of her ear. But I will yeah. say, I have this comment that she has this beautiful like sky blue wig on. And it's like proper Purple, Mrs. The- like the proper Mrs. Wig. Slocum, yeah, man, that it was... matches her eyeshadow. Perfectly. Oh my god! And like she just yeah. woke up that way, you know. I love it. Yeah. And then she's got this very flowy, like satin silk nightgown kind of thing that my grandmother, I think, had one just like it. So when I see Mrs. Slocum in this in this series, I always think of my grandmother, uh, which is kind of it, sweet. Which is a you know a, a, the reason we love this podcast and love, love this show is nostalgia. So for me, it's a, a really direct connection in this yeah. scene. So that's cool. I mean, this nightgown is full length and full sleeve, but Miss Mo- Mr. Moulter said you shouldn't walk around in such a flimsy thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has a flame for her. Yeah, uh, from from when he used to uh, in the in the sh- in the fallout shelter, right? And then they ask, "What happened to Mister Humphreys? Where is he?" And everyone—that's well, the topic at hand. Well, apparently he's had a bad arm from doing this jerking motion behind the bar all night with the Americans. Uh, <laughs> turns out that he was not giving out handies; he was actually shaking cocktails for them. So with all of this talk of the Americans, is it only a few days later? (laughs) We've gone an entire year since series one, and has the series not progressed in the timeline at all? They like to take their time, all right, Mr. (laughs) Jeff, lay off. It's already being served. They can do no wrong. Well, we we complain about everything, don't we? Yes, they they Um, do a lot of wrong. But it's it's true. Like, they don't don't speed up the plot very much. But, you know, it's like... A bunch of retirees sitting around in an old building. You know, yeah. what, what trouble could they get into? Well, we, we shall see, We shall we? see, right? Yeah. So, um, Captain Peacock and Mrs. Slocum are talking about Mavis, who is absolutely besotted, I think is the word that they used, with, um, with Mr. Humphreys. Mm. Uh, she's just a simple country girl who doesn't understand that Mr. Humphreys isn't what you'd call a woman's man. Uh, to which Captain Peacock replies, well, he's not within the same boundaries you describe a man's man either. So Which is I have confusing, to ask, right? I have to ask, is, are they describing Mr. Humphreys as asexual? 
Well, I mean, I that's mean, a very 21st century concept, right? I mean, right. back then... I don't think we, we didn't have that word as a larger society in 1993. Um, am I going to try to attempt what asexuality is? It's having neither amorous... No, it's, it's having neither sexual feelings towards your own sex or the opposite sex or your own gender or the opposite gender. So it's, it's just sort of like, I'm neither straight nor gay. I'm just not... Would you say that's it's, accurate? I, I think that I think to put a little bit of a finer point, a uh, finer point on it, it's more about not having sexual impulses. Period, right? Because from what I understand, asexual people are capable. Some asexual people are capable of experiencing sexual pleasure, either with themselves or with a partner, but just not having the sexual impulses to act on. With, 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 any, with any kind of regularity. That's with, my understanding I think the, of it. the point missing is with another person. I think they have their own sexuality that they can, you know, take care of themselves. But the idea of involving another person in that? It's, exactly. Yeah. If you're asexual, contact us, let us know. Okay? Yeah. So, <laughs> but I mean, it, it's interesting because the word asexual is quite um, being um, investigated and included and like LGBTQ2A++, that acronym, one of the A's is asexual. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like this umbrella thing. But I mean, going back to Mr. Humphreys, um, this is 1993. It's still very different than it is today. The idea of a guy being a ladies man, okay, we all know what that is. But then the idea of being a man's man, which means gay, like that wasn't even on the menu as an option to choose from. So that's why it's... It's weird that, like, they actually bring it up, which, remember, he's never yeah. been confirmed that he's gay, ever. Right. He's it's just a confirmed jokes. bachelor. Yeah. yeah. So it's just kind of a weird... But, you know, the thing is, it's 2022 when we're recording this. That was 1993, so that's, what, almost 30 years ago. That's yeah. a long time, you know? Yeah. So the, the concept of do you politely not ask about his sexuality or... Do you pretend he doesn't have one because if mm -hmm. he did, he would be gay? You know, it's a weird he would, thing. He would, yeah, he would be not straight for any, whatever it is, right? Yeah, exactly. I think. Miss um, Brahms comes downstairs and asks if it's bad luck to pass a three-legged cat on the stairs. <laughs> the joke being that Tittles is there still oh, with one paw stuck to her ear. That is so sad. And it got me thinking about all of the superstitions and beliefs around cats. Mm, okay. And um, black cats aren't, aren't universally considered bad luck. Um, in Scottish culture, and I think also in Welsh culture, if a black cat wanders up to a new home, it's a sign of prosperity. Oh. Uh, and a lot of pirates kept black cats on their ships for luck. I can see the black cat lobbyist uh, group has been doing a lot of work lately, <laughs> right? You know, to to help their reputations. And the whole the whole idea, the notion of a black cat being bad luck, mm. comes from the Puritans, uh, as we're finding out a lot in our modern culture. And it stems from Puritan <laughs> America, values. America. Uh, um, the 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 character Lilith in the Bible was a shapeshifter. And she used to shapeshift into a cat often to cause her havoc and what she did. And the Puritans took the Bible very literally. And so they believed in sorcery and witchcraft. And um, they thought that any black cat could be somebody who had shapeshifted like Lilith did. 
Makes oh, those, perfect sense to me. Oh, those Puritans, all. yeah. Yes. So Mavis goes upstairs to try and wake Mr. Humphreys, and he's telling her that he had some weird dreams last night. He dreamt that he was at a gunfight at the OK Corral, and um, you know this <laughs> because big of the mean, Americans, right? Because that's all we do is because of the Americans. Yeah. Uh, and this big muscly uh, cowboy type said, "Well, this town ain't big enough for both of us." And Mr. Humphrey suggested we get a little flat in New York, which is hysterical. Again, what, okay, so, so this is so confusing. Like, so maybe we should be life partners and move together and go live in the West Village. Like, exactly. And I mean, then that, he says he pulls out his pistol, and just as I was reaching down for mine, <gasps> that sounds like the erotic dreams of Mr. Humphreys, right? Right. <laughs> and, but that's that's I think the crux of the humor of the show is either juxtaposition or. Innuendo, and there you know yeah, yeah, you get yeah, the cla- the classic line from the OK Corral that's been replayed in any this town ain't big enough for the both of us, and then he turns it into a turn of <laughs> phrase, very much like you'd expect Paul Lynn to do. Yeah, like that, oh. Paul Lynn would say something like that. So the OK Corral was a real place. The gunfight at the OK Corral was a real thing that happened. What? Um, yeah, so there, it actually didn't take place at the OK Corral. It took place at a saloon six doors down. The So So OK Hotel. Corral. Right. Uh, but See this what I is did? Where, so So OK. <laughs> anyway. Um, but th- this is where um, the characters of Wyatt Herp, Earp and Doc Holliday came from. They were outlaws who had a shootout with the police because they didn't like the way the police were running things. And this is what kind of was emblematic of the Wild West being so wild and outlaws running wild. How interesting and somehow very timely. But we're Draw moving, from that what you will. Moving right along from that. Okay, so it really <laughs> happened. Um, do we th- what do you think Mr. Humphreys meant when he was just down, he was just about to reach down for his? You know exactly what he meant, what he was reaching for, and it wasn't his pistol. This is water gun. Okay, so moving right along. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> M- Mavis is uh, getting to know him, asking if he's had um, any brothers or sisters, and it's so um, cute. The scene. It's very cute that they're starting to, you know, they're exchanging more about their backgrounds. And Mr. Humphrey said he had a lot of uncles when he was growing up who used to visit his mother in the parlor, uh, and we're led to believe that these are his um, mother's boyfriends of mm-hmm. various natures. Most of them were sailors with tattoos. And so this is a great callback to Series 8, Episode 5, Heir Apparent, where um, he's oh, convinced right. that old Mr. Grace is his, is his father. That used to visit Annie at the Golden Garter Dance Club. Did you ever parachute down into the back garden in Stratford-upon-Common? <laughs> or ever a milkman who used to... Sounded like she had a lot of uncles. Or exactly. Mr. Humphreys. Yeah. Exactly. I love it. Okay, good. Nice one. Well, Mavis finally says, well, you can be the brother that I never had and you can call me Big Sis. So it is definitive now that we see that Mavis does not have any romantic intentions towards Mr. Humphreys. No. And she, she might even understand, you know, that he's a confirmed bachelor. Well, it's and interesting because they she always may say not that she's a simple, simple country, country girl, girl, right? Exactly. Like who wouldn't know what gay means. But and if, maybe she does. Well, let's pretend if there's like a season four or five. So now it would put it in like 1990 
seven, I don't know. I could sit here saying, of course I knew what type of man you are, Mr. Humphreys. I live on a farm. The cows do it every day. <laughs> we we can't get any milk from that one because she's all the time running around with, with a daisy or what? I don't know, some stupid <laughs> gay joke about cows. I mean, I guess it's like how in that, you know, the sketch in Little Village when they're doing the pub quiz, how everybody except David knew that, you know, <laughs> Mr. Humphreys was the gay one. <laughs> really? I thought it was Captain Peacock with that uh, mustache. Love Mr. Britain, yeah. uh, Little Britain. Uh, Mrs. Slocum gets a letter from Mrs. Axelby. We get oh to hear from Mrs. God. Axelby. So she's still around. I love it. She's still around. Uh, she moved to Tormelinos, which is a town in the Costa del Sol. And before you ask, Mr. Brandon, it is nowhere near Benidorm. Is it it's near the Costa Planca? That's what I want is, to know. It's about five and a half hours southwest of Benidorm, so it's far. Uh, okay. And uh, Mrs. Axelby was managing a beach cafe over there. Um, but now she's mucking in as a beach attendant, uh, and the she opens the envelope, and a bunch of sand falls out. <laughs> so, I love it. A B minus gag, you know, that I think a kindergartner could have written. Well, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's very visual. I mean, like, I could see them doing that on the original series very easily, you know? Like, oh, I got this letter from Captain Peacock on holiday in Bern, Switzerland, a yodeling. And, like, um, a, Adel, a Adel falls out. Or, Adel like, Vice. Edelweiss comes out of the, you know, <laughs> the little white flowers coming out of the envelope. I don't know. It's, it's cute, you know? Yeah. Um, Captain Peacock has received an invitation from some old hunting friends, so he's gone upstairs to the writing room in order to find the good stationery to write on. Mm. And Rumbold says, between you and me, I think he's a bit of a snob. Well, <laughs> way, way to catch on 15 years later, Cuthbert. Oh I'm so glad you're a bit with the times. <laughs> um, uh, Captain Peacock had found a, a handgun in the drawer of the, le of the writing room, and so I just want to make sure that we're clocked in here that we're only 11 minutes into the episode and we've actually got something to do with the title of the episode, which is a break from the entire first <laughs> series, which we got through the entire first half without anything to do with the, the title. Or it's, the like, it's like the last episode, too much butter. And the last line was, we have so much butter. And then the credits. <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad. It, close, pretty close. <laughs> um, so why did the manor have a room that's dedicated to writing? Wouldn't, I, would that rooms be so small that they couldn't have their own desk? Well, it's interesting. So I once lived in a home that I actually was able to look at the original um, blueprints for, built in 1930. So this is a grade two listed home manor. It's very, very old, mm -hmm. probably three or four or 500 years old. But mm -hmm. it, this house from 1932 had a sewing room. Well, that the, makes sense. And the sewing, well, I don't know, does it? <laughs> the sewing room um, was a little tiny room, and it um, had lots of windows. So I wonder if a writing room, you would need lots of light. Lots so you of could light. See. So that I don't know, it seems true. like kind of so an old-fashioned like thing to have, like, specific task-specific rooms. I don't know. Well, I mean, Candy Spelling famously had three present wrapping rooms in her L.A. mansion. Well, I mean, who doesn't have a present wrapping room, right? <laughs> well, she has three. That's the thing. The joke has always been that Candy Spelling has a present wrapping room, but the reality is she had three. Remember that her mansion was the biggest one in all of Los Angeles. So she had one for every day. You sound so day jealous items. when you say that. I'm again. so – I am so jealous of that. <laughs> she had one for everyday presents. She had one in the attic with a cellophane shrink wrapping machine – 
And then one in the basement dedicated just for Christmas and Easter. We're still waiting had- for our presents, Ms. Spelling. <laughs> well, we're we're, we're going to have to wait a long time now. Miss <laughs> right. um, Lovelock tells Captain Peacock not to fiddle with the gun, and it goes off. He accidentally shoots it. He shoots a bottle of gin, uh, and it was above Mr. Humphrey's head, who's he's just standing right near the bar, and he faints. <laughs> Right. I was a little disappointed in the fainting. Usually he does that full body where he kind of like puts his hand on his forehead and kind of falls like a sack of rocks. But, you know, I, well, well, I mean, here, he's still fainting, right? Well, here we have to believe that because the rest of the cast didn't see where the bullet landed if he got shot. Because Mavis starts screaming, oh. say something, say something, right? Yeah. So the first faint is... You know, did he get hit or did he, what, you know, is he fainted from the, the, the nervousness? Mm. And then he says, me pipe's gone out. <laughs> and he faints again. It was really cute how, how Mavis, like, dashed down those stairs. Like, she was really yes. worried. It was really sweet. Yeah. Aww. Because she thinks of him like a brother. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As, as we've gotten confirmed and the rest of the staff haven't quite heard yet. Um, they all decide that they need to call the police to report the gun because a terrorist might have put it there. <laughs> This is the most un-American concept of what to do with a gun, right? Right, exactly. If there's a gun um, found, like maybe a terrorist left there, we have to call the police and give it away. Right, because they're so um, infrequent in early 90s Britain, right? Yeah. Uh, and they start talking about what kind of neighborhood, what kind of area that they're living in. Uh, if there are, you know, there are a lot of terrorists in the area or whatnot, <laughs> and they start bringing up that there are actually a lot of royals that live in the area. And Ms. Brahms does an impression really poorly it took me a while took me two tries of watching it to kind of figure out who she was saying she goes i think when we'll go have a game of polo and she's doing this thing where she, she looks like she's pulling taffy with her hands or you know what a, i thought it was it was um oh um cracking toast grommet uh, <laughs> so wallace lives by wallace wallace and grommet you know whenever he was like a nervous or those characters yeah, they always kind it. of put their their knuckles together to kind of like kill time that's what yeah. he she was doing as prince charles right i mean that's who that, i thought that's it would be. who that's who i figured it was eventually right because it, it took me to, i heard it around the second time and then i also like did a little bit of thinking about like okay so what royal would live near somerset well, someone who'd want to be halfway between London and Wales or halfway between London and Cornwall, mm-hmm. then there we go. Prince Charles fits both of those categories. It's interesting because I, I forgot how it went, but someone said something about her and she, like referring to a woman. And I guess in 93, was Princess Diana still part of the picture? Yeah. Wow. This was like the beginning of the end, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Crazy. Okay. Topical, and topical that- stuff with the arguing served again. And then all of a sudden, three police cars roll up with their sirens and SWAT men are jumping out. Um, Rumble did call the police, but he didn't get to finish the sentence. He just said, Captain Peacock has a gun. And they hung up and they're on their way. Uh, one of them throws a smoke grenade in to cause a flashbang and says, don't know one move. <laughs> and, and Captain Peacock's response is, well, so much for English O-levels. Oh, that's because of the bad English. The, the because improper, of the poor, improper English ah, for education. That's what that meant. So, yeah. In case you don't know, O-levels is kind of like the entrance exam you would take to get into university. Is that right? Uh, more like the, the leaving exam to leave 
uh, uh, secondary education and to qualify for uh, higher education. Oh, so so it's like yeah. in England, I think you take a class to graduate high school or take a take a test. Yeah, kind of. you take you take tests in the major subjects that you've uh, studied in order to prove you got the qualifications to go to university or do with them whatever you will. You know, because a, a lot of tradespeople will graduate with O levels in like drafting or whatever. Oh, okay. So yeah. Huh. Um, why don't we? Uh, I think this is a great place to actually pause the action, and why don't we go down to the canteen for a tea break? Well, Mavis was making extra strong tea uh, later in the episode, so I, I've got a hankering for some Earl Grey, and um, I think uh, Mr. Bill has graciously poured a, a lovely, uh, and he did pre-warm this this teapot. I made sure he do that. <laughs> uh, so that's good. So we'll be right back after a quick break. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all all done done very well. well. Mr. Brandon, what did you have in the canteen? Did you get managed to get some of that Earl Grey in the pre-warmed pot? Um, I did, and you know, we didn't mention before, but uh, we have yet another intern. Uh, Ms. Heidi was able to come in and dedicate the summer to us, at least, uh, as another unpaid intern in the canteen. So she made some lovely scones. So I had one of those. So thank you, Ms. Heidi, for that. That was delicious. What did you have? I had some of Mavis's wallpaper paste that she was trying to pass off as porridge. Oh, well, you better eat it or, or else it get cold. <laughs> and you don't want to be here when she sees that. Thank you. No, not at all. <laughs> so where um, were we? Mr. Moulter and Mavis are out in the field gathering muck, which he's got to bring um, uh, up, the, up the field. And they Gee, see the cars what, what and the smoke. What is muck exactly? Uh, manure. Okay. Yeah. I there's, think, there's, I think it bode necessary to, uh, to mention that. Yeah, there's no way of sugarcoating that. <laughs> it's, it's just plain old manure. Um, they see the, car, the police cars and the smoke from the flashbang, and they rush back. Mr. Moulter puts his foot on the gas on the tractor, and Mavis falls backward into the muck. And she's, like, wiping <sighs> the hair out of her face and gets the muck all over her face. That... And it's lots yeah. of groans from the studio audience. Which For Fleur deserved. Bennett to do that. I mean, this beautiful lady, like, in her costume and her hair's perfect, to then be covered in mud, which... Thankfully, it probably wasn't muck, but no, um, it was. It, yeah, it was. It wasn't pretty. Muck. Like, uh, you know, I guess it was the shock value, but like that whole scene was like, okay. But it, yeah. I will say, it was kind of cool to see, you know, um, the actor who plays Mr. Moulter, whose name I always forget, um, Billy Bennett. Yes, yes, thank you. Um, driving a, a tractor, 
pulling this this thing full of mud and then there's Fleur Bennett like standing and she falls backwards into it. That's amazing. Like you yeah. can't do that in London, right? No, no, you'd have to be out in the open to do that. Yeah. So um so the police start talking and they're trying to piece together what happened. So we've got three main ca- main characters um, who are guesting today as the police. The inspector is played by Roger Sloman. And okay. you all probably, well, I know him as um, Les Coker from EastEnders. He was the undertaker that o- he opened up the funeral parlor on Albert Square. And he used to dress up as a woman named Christine. And this was his kind of evil twin alter ego type thing. I'm still, I'm still team Corey. I'm sorry. (laughs) So the sergeant, the one who stays behind the bar is played by Richard Lumsden. Uh, He was foggy on the first of the summer wine. So he was one of the original trio. uh, What you mean? He just didn't remember his lines. What do you mean? (laughs) Very good. Um, But he was also Martin on the Catherine Tate show. Do you remember the sketch where the woman from Newcastle, um, uh, uh, Jordy Georgie was always collecting for charities. Kind and she of. asked her co- co-worker. He played the co-worker. Oh, okay. Because okay. there are 10 actors in all of England. They're in all of Britain, right. And, and they you just rotate, all rotate around, them around, right? yeah. And so then Colin, the one who stays close by to the inspector, is played by Steve Edwin. And he's most known for voice acting on children's programs. But they've all done work on other um, Lloyd and Croft shows. Cool. Um, I like how it's almost like you can, you know, it's just like the other day, um, the episode where they try to find uh, higher help for Millstone Manor. And the old lady comes in, but she can't really do anything. And then the guy comes Mm -hmm. in who used to work on British Rail being a a waiter. And we were commenting how what a beautiful portrayal and acting job that was and how it was so impressive. And I think later, the next week after we published that episode, the actor passed away. Yeah. but there's some really good actors involved in these little bit parts, you know? Well, here, when you talk about there's only 10 actors in all of the UK, <laughs> that uh, we're going to do, you know, I know this is going to be groundbreaking for this podcast, but we're about to go on a tangent about two completely other d- different pieces of British media. Um, so, um, Why not? Tamika Epsom, who plays um, Kim Fox on EastEnders. Okay. Uh, in an episode last week, uh, she was talking to her boyfriend about how she has a lot of friends who are gay. I'm friends with all the gays. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. Said what? the line twice. Said the line twice because she was played a beautiful Le- thing. She played Leah. Um, Leah, uh, Leah, it- Mama Cass. <laughs> right. If I wanted it to change. Okay. So, so I wanted have- it to change. Yes. Um, um, I wanted him to be incontinent. Um, okay, so the beautiful thing is from 1995 or 96. We've talked 96. about. I know yeah. I've talked about it on the show. Um, in the mid 90s, to have a gay film where two, like 16, 17 year old boys fall in love, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, but they don't like murder people. They don't commit suicide. They aren't damaged. It was a love story in a happy ending. Such a positive film, and you yeah. can see it everywhere. And um, Tamika was a. I mean, she stole every scene she was she in. She stole the show. Yeah. Wow. And she plays, and of course, the, the, the film really quickly is in a housing estate, like low-income housing, in the east side of London, and kind of near in Greenwich, Thamesmead. Thamesmead. Yeah. Kind of a rough part of town. Um, and she plays um, kind of the, the neighbor of these two guys who all mm-hmm. live in this that- big thing. And um, 
I mean, she, I don't know. You have to see it. But it was really neat that she said, beautiful thing, beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, ah, yeah. such a good show. Wow. Yeah. So the police. So back to our show. Oh, we're what, what are we about. doing? Yeah. The, the police give their standard instructions, hands behind your head, spread your legs. <laughs> and Mr. Humphreys, well, I never thought I'd hear that in the country. <laughs> Okay. Um, and they're, start, they're trying to explain what actually happened, that um, they merely, you know, um, that uh, they found the gun and they're just trying to hand it over. And the inspector doesn't really understand. He's kind of taking after Rumble. Mr. Rumble, absolutely. He will, not under, he will not accept the simple explanation. He's trying to make it more complicated for himself. Um, Mrs. Slocum gives a great line. Miss Brahms, do you think they'll frisk us? Very much in that, oh, what's the name of that bar Where exactly again? is kind this of? pub? <laughs> exactly. Where exactly is this pub? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but here's a question. Wh- I mean, we can get into like what was said and da, da, da. I really th- kept wondering, why did they not have Mr. Rumbold do this? I know they'd have to change the script a bit, but that was his job. But where he would be confused and he would try to explain da, 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 da. But instead, right. no, he... He didn't really have many lines. Um, well, here, here's, here's why it had to be the police um, misunderstanding it. And it all goes back to um, John Bryant's question a little bit earlier, right? Mm, yeah, right. So we're, we're going to jump the gun a little bit, uh, to, pun intended. I didn't even realize I was oh saying it. Oh, my God. Uh, where the, uh, the inspector says, um, you know, to Mr. Humphreys, did you know this one? Did you know the other one? Were you turned? Well, no, right. not to Cambridge, right? Uh, the joke being turned <laughs> as a, a euphemism for homosexuality. Turned, turned so, gay, right. Right. This whole episode is a parody, send-up, r- reflection, I don't even know what to call it, of uh, the Derek Bentley case uh, from the 30s. This is a very famous case uh, in the UK where... Um, Two people, uh, two, two men had, young men, like these were teenagers between 16 and 19 years old, okay. had a gun and they were getting into a confrontation with the police. One of them said, just give it to him already, meaning hand over the gun. Ah. But, but the police thought that that was an instruction to shoot to kill. And then the conflict, you know, ar- arose from there. So when he's saying the names, you know, were you with um, Bentley and Craig and all of that, that's who they're referring to as the people in this Derek Bentley case. Which and that's exa- is kind of a joke because, like, that probably happened decades and decades prior. Right? It happened in the third. It happened in the third. Yeah, okay. Oh, right. interesting. So, yeah, John, right. Mr. Br- John Bryant, there's your answer. Those are who the yeah. people are. So very, uh, very on brand for this show to be doing something so anachronistic 60 years later. <laughs> like, way to keep your finger on the pulse. Exactly. Right? But that's what happens when the gun goes off the second time on the show. Rumble tries to hand the gun over to the police. They think he's going to shoot it. So the sergeant is actually the one that grabs it and pulls the trigger. Interesting. Um, so what is the name in, of this case? Derek, what, what is it? The, the Derek Bentley case. Derek Bentley. So if you're curious, yeah. I guess you can Google Derek Bentley gun case and it will probably come up. But that's very interesting. Yeah. It's cool how they kind of snip, snuck that little tidbit in there. Yeah. Huh. Um, so when the gun goes off a second time, it shoots yet another bottle of gin above Mr. Humphreys, and this time he faints for real because it's very much clear to that Mrs. He hasn't Slocum's been chagrin, right? That's right, a lot and of she's just upset gin. about the waste of the alcohol, right? <laughs> it's like when young Mr. Grace 
um, he's having a heart attack or his heart hurts because they're wasting, uh, they're pouring a lot of champagne or something. Right. And, What's wrong, Mr. Grace? Are you feeling it? No, it's the expense. It's the expense. It's all of the, all of the wasted champagne. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Moulter tries to save the day uh, by spraying the fire extinguisher everywhere and the foam gets all over the police and, you know, it's... Because he um, thinks there's fire for some reason. Right, because he thinks there's... But it's very interesting to me how the police are approaching this case that they haven't restrained anyone. You know, mm, what, yeah. you know, when we think about the American portrayal of police on sitcoms, one of the first things they'll do is they'll handcuff someone because you want to get that visual gag of someone trying to either get out of the handcuffs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But they're all sitting around literally drinking tea talking about this, which is... Not the approach Seems to more English that, to me somehow that we're yeah that we're used to. Um, Frank Thornton gives one a very very muted performance here in a physical response to a joke. When they were examining the gun at the beginning of the episode, he thought it was a Luger, a German gun, mm-hmm. um, which uh, was what they used when you know he was going to, to chase Rummel through the desert. <laughs> yeah, um, single handedly. Or if you're a, uh, a Heather's fan, you know, that Luger means I lie in German. And uh, there's a whole thing with Winona Ryder and Christian Slater. Anyway, oh my God. Uh, the inspector says uh, it's actually a Russian gun. Does Nakarov mean anything to you? And Captain Peacock crosses his legs ever so slightly to answer that. And I uh, lost it because it was such a brilliant, muted Response, physical response that got a rise from the audience and a great, great because a um, knacker is one's private area for gentlemen, right? Knacker off so, means like na- castration, off. I guess. Castration, exactly. Oh, jeez. I do love the scene where they throw him in the armchair, and Mister <laughs> Captain Peacock kind of cowers like an old feeble yes. man and he puts his hands up and kind of shakes them. He you gives know? a little squeal too, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he can turn it on it, and turn it off when he needs to that cup peacock. The inspector for some reason uses like pig Latin to, he doesn't want to say KGB. So he goes, well, I'm referring to the K gay Bay and we get Mr. Humphreys perking up. Beg pardon. Beg your pardon. <laughs> Um, and here's where, here's where we get the joke, where you're turned, will not at Cambridge, etc. Yeah. Um, the, the police apparently have very quickly gotten a printout of everyone's permanent records, except for oh Mrs. Slocum, because, you know, the records don't go back that far. <laughs> <laughs> we, need, we need to make the age joke in there. Poor Mrs. And they're pu- Slocum. They're pulling out these tabloid-sized dot matrix printers that are fold over just pages and pages and pages, right? Um, because remember, folks, kids, they don't have screens, they don't have iPads, they don't have cell phones, they have to do everything in paper. So some, some schmuck has to run and schlep down to the police station, do a giant database terminal thing, print it out, and then run back and hand it to them, you know? Yeah. Crazy. Um, the sergeant admits that he actually did fire the gun, but the inspector is intent on charging someone. So he's trying to figure out if there was a crime of passion over Miss Lovelock, and Miss Brahms ends up spilling the beans that Mr. Humphreys bunks up with Mavis at night. And Miss so Lovelock inspector... has an Arab who's from Ireland. And... <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so the inspector is trying to connect the dots, but they're just confusing him uh, even more, telling the, the situation of their setup. 
And exasperated, he finally says, well, the next time you find a gun in the drawer, don't call the police. Call the army and tell them to bring a social worker and a priest. <laughs> and a priest. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then Mr. Moulter shows up. And I, and I suppose um, if you're not from the UK or haven't really spent a lot of time there, you don't know that, I mean, from the state's uh, perspective anyway, um, in the United States there are guns everywhere. You know, maybe not so yeah. much in New Jersey, but, you know, northern Mississippi. Um, you go anywhere and there's guns. Um, in England, you will see, when I spent time in England, I saw um, a sporting goods shop and they had like gentlemen's rifles. Like that's the kind of thing that you see like for being shot. For fox and hound, right. For fox and hounds, like doing clay pigeons, like the kind of thing that like mm-hmm. the country upper crust people do, like a shotgun thing. Um, but that's it. Like otherwise you can't have a gun. You can, If you do, you have to give it to the police. I was told that if you drive around with a chef's kitchen knife in your car and you get pulled over and they see it, they're taking it away because that's a weapon. You know? Yeah. So that concept when you're, you know, 14 years old watching this in Arkansas in 1993 was very foreign. So I didn't understand why that would be happening. But that's why suddenly uh, Mr. Moulter decides to bring out this like like wonder bus blo- right? yeah it looked like something from like that the pilgrims would have used like yeah. for some reason i picture like that end of the the gun yeah. kind of flaring out like a bell-bottom jean or something yeah? Mm-hmm. so yeah. that's the context there yeah uh it, go- it the blunderbuss goes off as well it's nowhere near humphreys but he faints anyway <laughs> and then we get the police calling again come out with your hands up da 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 yeah. I feel like the episode could have ended with the exasperated inspector going out, but they had to shine the light on the Moulters one more time. Again, to just remind them that these three new characters are here and um, they're making up um, a big part of this series now. Yeah, and, and all the folks who commented to us and sent us messages on Twitter and Facebook and email and voicemails, um, it seems like we're not the only ones, Mr. Jeff. Um, everyone in unanimous land wants to see what happens with these characters. And I've said it ad nauseum already um, that I wish we could have gotten to know these characters more. Um, but, you know, we, we, we have what we have, and I'm grateful we got to know them in the first place. Um, but I suppose maybe maybe the next episode we'll, we'll learn a bit more, won't we, Mr. We'll learn, a, we'll learn a bit more about these characters, right. Mm-hmm. So next week we are going to talk about Series 2, Episode 2, The Cricket Match. And if you have anything that you want to know about cricket, uh, you can ask us and we'll try our best to find out. So you can get in touch with us on Facebook or on Twitter. You can write us an old-fashioned email at that does suit madam with an E at gmail.com. Or you can call us on the Peacock Hotline, which is 662-PEACOCK, 662-732-2625. Record a voice memo and email to us, or you can grab some merch at our bargain basement shop at imfree.threadless.com. And with that, Unanimous, you've all done done very well. Very well. That Does Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are you being served as a copyrighted program of the BBC? Every firearm to be abandoned to the chief of police under the amnesty section shall be unloaded and securely wrapped in package and the package shall be carried in open view.